Dr. Barbara Byers back with you doing Voices of the Soul. And I want to remind you that you can go on my website, www.barbarabyers.com, if you'd like to look up the notes for today and follow along. Today, I'm going to be talking about the receptive mind. There are two ways the heart knows, and that is through the receptive mind. So uh, we're going to be talking about receptivity. When the Lord comes and works within us, He is working to recreate every capacity of our soul so that He can mature us, so that He can fill us with His Spirit. And sometimes the first thing that He begins to work on are our capacities to know, so we can know Him, so we can know ourselves, so we can perceive and understand aright. So, I'm going to talk about one of the ways of knowing today, and that's through receptivity. The receptive mind includes two instruments of the heart, and I'll speak of each of them separately. One is intuition, and one is imagination. The receptive mind is the mind that enters into. I'm going to use that phrase several times during this video. It enters into by perceiving, by sensing, by connecting, by understanding, by getting impressions and intuitions, by taking in revelation. This is a really important component of our soul, the ability to take in the revelation of the Lord. It has to do with how we know God, how we know others, how we connect, how we receive. So our rational mind, which is a different faculty of knowing and a wonderful one, but it has to do with logic and measurement and analysis to understand. Uh, with our intellect, we can put into words what with our receptive mind we understand and intuit. So the two minds are, to, are created to operate in tandem uh, and to be connected to one another. If we are overly rational, we're out of balance. But also, if we're overly receptive and just sense and feel all the time, we can be out of balance. And we often need a healing to connect these two minds, to connect the schism between the head and the heart, if you will. So we understand and know in very different ways with these two minds. One, the receptive mind is the entering into to know, and one is the understanding of what we've entered into. So today in our culture, we just have more and more and more analysis, and yet we seem to be unable to really enter in and connect. So I'll just give you a brief example of the difference. Uh, I went to Rome in Tuscany in 2019. It's a wonderful trip. I'd never been. I'd been to Northern Italy, but I'd never been to Rome. And before I went, I read travel guides, I looked at pictures, I Googled things. I knew what I wanted to see. I wanted to spend a couple of days in Rome first, and then I was gonna join a tour group to go on up to, to Tuscany and stay. And those pictures were great, and the tour guides were great, and it helped me sort of plan my trip, but it was an entirely different experience actually driving up by the Mediterranean Sea and stopping and eating in a restaurant at the seaside and going to a flea market and 
seeing the beauty of the Tuscan uh, villages and also in Rome to sit in the Sistine Chapel and look up at the ceiling and just feel the awe and marvel and wonder of Michelangelo's painting. So it was one thing to know about it. It was another thing to enter into it. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. He prayed this prayer. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power to those of us who believe. So one thing we need to do is agree with this prayer, and we need to ask the Lord, Open the eyes of my heart. Let light flood in. Let this receptive part of me, this receptive mind, be open. Jesus in Matthew 13, 16 said, Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. It's, this is our inheritance to, to see and to hear and to have our spiritual eyes open. I'll give you another example. One Easter morning, I was sitting in church and I was meditating on Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He came in on a donkey, people were waving palm branches, and I just, um, with my receptive heart, with my imagination, I just put myself there. I was one of the crowd. I was waving the palm branches. I was seeing him come in. And as I was having this experience that I was entering into the scripture and seeing with the eyes of my heart, I saw Jesus look right at me as he passed by. He looked right at me. And it was just a beautiful, life-filled encounter. It was a truly imaginative experience that my heart took in because the Lord was imparting something to me. So this is really, this is really important. Leanne Payne says this, receptivity is an act of transcendence meaning it goes beyond, in which one being opens himself up to another, breaks the walls of his self-centeredness in order to communicate with another and receives from another. Have you ever felt like you were trying to communicate with someone who just wasn't there? I had an experience a while back with a, a person I knew and um, kind of a series of experiences and it just began to feel transactional when I was with this person. Um, there wasn't a real entering in, like we could talk, but the heart wasn't really open. And the relationship never did progress because we have to be present, vulnerable, receptive. We have to take the walls down of our own self-protection and self-centeredness to really reach out and also to be able to receive. It's a motion of our soul to take in. And then we also have to be willing to be changed by these encounters, even by the pain of others. Sometimes we'll close off because we don't want to feel. So receptivity is an entering in and it really needs to happen with others and with our relationship with the Lord and with nature, with things we take in with art. So we let down our defenses and we're willing to be changed by the Lord. Um, Inside, we often have places where we sort of want the Lord to go this far and no further. And it's not His resistance, it's ours. It's not His reluctance, it's ours. And we need to ask the Holy Spirit, show us what's going on. We may not even know what the root of that is, but we can ask Him, what's my reluctance or my denial about? What's my fear, my misperceptions? 
Uh, what needs to change? We can pray that, Lord, you know, show me where that barrier is. And he is so gentle and he's so willing to do that in ways that bring us life and don't harm us. Sometimes we can feel very open to the Lord for a long time and we feel like we're growing and then suddenly we feel flat. There's, there's a wall has come up. Again, we can ask the Lord, what's happened here? What's going on? Uh, I don't want it, you know, and he'll put his finger on it soon enough. So Jonathan Edwards, uh, the old preacher, wrote that God can't be known by intellect alone, but must be loved through participatory ways of knowing, which is the feeling mind. So that's another way of saying what I'm talking about here, the feeling mind, the mind of the heart. And, and within the heart are the two instruments of intuition and imagination. And we have to reclaim both of those to have fullness of our soul. So the voice of intuition is I sense, or I know by what I sense, by sensing and connecting. The voice of the imagination is I see and envision, and in, uh, in envisioning and seeing, I know. So let's talk about intuition first. There are three ways that intuition comes. First of all, we are born with intuition. A baby knows when someone picks him up, if that person is safe, if they're connected, they intuitively sense. It's, it's this ability to enter in at a very profound level with the being, the emotional knowledge of another person. So little ones can't think rationally yet, right? But they sure can intuit. They know by intuition, they know by connection. And this transcends uh, any ability to reason intellectually. The second way we know uh, by intuition is by long experience. For instance, I've been counseling about 20 years professionally. And so there are a lot of things now that I can just know and enter into that I am intuitive about. It's a capacity we develop by engaging in a lot of life situations. Um, this often comes from things we've just done so long that we just naturally enter in in a whole different way. For instance, there's all the difference in the world in a 10-year-old who is um, giving a piano recital to an audience and in a worship leader who knows how to enter in long experience of knowing how to enter in. And sometimes um, the negative side of this is that we can walk into a situation, particularly like within family dynamic, dynamics and know when something is wrong. And we may react strongly based because we, we've now had the stimuli from past um, relationships where we felt unsafe or unstable. And so this pattern of association is emotionally encoded within us and we may react to that because the dynamics are very similar. Um, the third part of intuition is intuition that is a spiritual capacity. Once we come to know the Lord and His Holy Spirit enters, now we have a whole new um, arena of re receptivity, a whole new way of intuiting and knowing the Lord and others, a whole new way of understanding. But this has to be awakened in us and it's open by the Holy Spirit and it enables us to really know the Lord and to have all the good and true things in life. 
um, but we have to have our hearts truly open to receive. And by the way, I wish I had a whole video to do this, but the gifts of the Spirit come through the receptive hearts. So our culture frequently um, defines intuition or frames intuition as something lesser than. It will frame that intellectual knowledge as important, but intuition is rather suspect as an inferior way of knowing, and it's often discounted which is sad because we need to understand this is, a, this is a way of knowing that is so important. We have to enter into relationships. We have to pay attention. We have to look at the person in front of us and engage with them. Um, there's really no other way to be present and to take them in. And this is absolutely necessary for our relationship with the Lord, to be present to Him, to practice His presence, to practice opening our heart and, and opening our heart to others that we're close to. You know, and then we'll find I'm intuiting the presence of the Lord in worship around me. Sometimes even intuiting the presence of angels. Um, and our heart senses these things because it's a way of knowing. The Holy Spirit is always wanting to um, place fresh things within us. He's always creating. And He's given us a wonderful, receptive mind to take in the things of the Spirit. Hebrews 5.14 tells us that the mature have their senses trained. Their senses trained. This is actually something that we can do. When we're alive to God, when we're maturing in Him, we can actually train our senses to receive from Him and to know what He's giving us. It's a spiritual uh, intuition that we can develop with the help of the Lord. We just ask Him to open our hearts. We ask Him to give us discernment so we can pick up the things of the Spirit. We can, you know, find out where He's moving. We can actually practice in this and develop it more in our soul. All right, so intuition is one uh, of the parts of our receptive heart. The other is the imagination. And think for a minute, when you think of the word imagination, just sort of how do you define that? What do you think of? So imagination is the image-making facility or faculty created by God to help us make symbols. The heart doesn't think in words. The heart thinks in symbols, pictures, images. So we're really created to symbolize and our heart is made to take in and think in symbols. Symbols and pictures are the language the heart speaks. And uh, it's much more mysterious than just intellectual reasoning alone. For instance, when we think of Father God, we already have a symbol in our heart of Father. And that may be fortunate or unfortunate. It's often what we need healing with, that some of these images already in our heart need to be re-symbolized and, and God wants to bring new truth and meaning to them. And as we seek Him, as we take in the Word, as we take in His truth, as we open our heart to the Holy Spirit, He is so ready to do that and transform those things into what's good and holy and true. So He wants to put symbols in our heart that then once they're in our heart, we can access them in our intellectual mind. It's the vehicle for the heart to communicate with the mind. They have meaning to us. And we want to respond to the Lord. We want to respond to the things He's depositing into us so they can transfer into our rational mind and then we can activate them. An example of this is dreams. If the Lord gives us dreams, 
So much of that is symbolic and we have to really engage the Lord so we can find out with our mind now, what, what's he saying? What is he wanting me to know? But sometimes as Christians, we tend to fear the imagination or we even think of it as evil. Um, because like you go back to Genesis and it says the thoughts of their hearts and imaginations were evil continually. Well, their imaginations were evil. The imagination is just a faculty, but they filled it with evil. So imagination is not evil in itself and it is not the devil's playground, as I've heard said. It's actually the workshop of the Holy Spirit. It's the workshop of heaven, isn't that wonderful? So the truly imaginative experience is an intuition of the real. It's not an ability to have uh, you know, vivid pictures. It's not an ability to fantasize, that's not it. It's a capacity to really take in the real. So just another example of this. Um, back in, I think it was 2002, I had uh, some land and I was designing a house for us. And one day, I can't remember if I was praying about it, I, I may have been, but anyway, one day, um, just with the eyes of my heart, just in a flash, I saw a little cottage beside the house. I'd already designed the house, so architecturally it had a particular style and I saw this little cottage off to the side. And when I, I saw it, I knew immediately what it was. I knew that it was to be a cottage for my father. My father didn't live with me, and he was consigned to a wheelchair, would be the rest of his life. At that point, he was 80 years old. And so I went to him and I said, hey, what do you think about me designing a cottage that's wheelchair accessible? off to the side of the house and you could live there and you could have a little porch and all that. And his response immediately was, no, I wouldn't do that. He was a crusty old Air Force sergeant and I wouldn't live with one of my kids kind of thing. So I just let it go because we don't have to control someone else, but I knew what I saw. And um, so months passed, we got the green light to start building the house. And that very day he came to me and said, I've been thinking about that. Yeah, I'd really like that. So I had 48 hours to, to design this little uh, cottage for him and he was able to live out his days there surrounded by family and that was a good thing for him. Leanne Payne says, to receive a word or picture, and I've received a picture from God, is to know the true imagination in operation. That was my true imagination in operation. The Lord had dropped that picture in. The truly imaginative experience is an intuition of the real and we did build that cottage for him. So imaginative knowledge helps me perceive and enter into what's unseen. It's the unseen, but it's real. Uh, sometimes we think of imagination as the unreal. Oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just imagining something and making something up. But what our imagination is for is to receive what's real. It's made up of story and picture and symbol and you know, we need to have, we need to understand this because we need to understand with children that we have to respect this. It's important what books we read to them. It's important what they see because they are building their heart with all of these symbols they take in. That's uh, why we should read them good books. When we open our heart to receive all this, then we receive good into our imagination. And we're acknowledging the real in an unseen dimension, which is faith. 
This is a large component of faith. F.B. Meyer wrote, faith is preeminently the receptive faculty. Isn't that interesting? So faith, uh, imagination is an image-making faculty, so it goes beyond the intellectual. Even Einstein wrote, imagination is more important than knowledge. He was talking about cognitive knowledge. All you have to do is read uh, C.S. Lewis' Chronicles of Narnia to see these amazing symbols. Here we have Aslan, the powerful lion who can't be tamed, but who was so tender and he laid his life down for the Narnians. Or Puddlegum, who was such a pessimist and yet he was able to resist uh, seductions and enchantments and lies. Or we have Prince Caspian, who uh, loved Narnia and learned how to become a warrior. Or my favorite probably, Reepicheep, who's this fierce little pilgrim mouse who just kept pursuing his destiny. These wonderful symbols speak so deeply to our heart. Uh, I read Chronicles of Narnia every few years and I just love it. So we are creatures who symbolize. And if the symbols we hold in our heart are distorted, then our responses and our thoughts are gonna be distorted because symbols actually shape our reality. I mentioned a while ago about father, where we have a symbol of father that is cruel or um, shaming. We're gonna transfer that onto God the Father when first we know him. But if we have, uh, we've had a father who was a true and tender and uh, had the right kind of masculine, we're gonna understand immediately uh, God the Father is that way. So reality is just so much bigger than our words. So that's why we need story and picture and symbol and gestures and ceremony and dreams to fill out our reality. Jesus spoke very often in parables and gave pictures of things. The mystery of God is so great, it helps us to have symbols to communicate with. Uh, thinking of God as Father is, is a tremendous symbol. Think of Jesus, the Lion, the Good Shepherd, the Lamb, the one who comes in Revelation with fire in his eyes. Uh, or other Christian symbols, the cross, the altar, the bread, the wine, the oil. All these speak to our senses of his presence and the Holy Spirit brings life to these things. Um, and there are also lots of symbols in scripture uh, that are people. Uh, just think of Jacob. He was a liar, he was a supplanter, and yet he wrestled with God all night, rose with a limp, and God blessed his life tremendously. When we look at some of these people in scripture, David and Paul and others who, who stumbled and yet uh, pursued the Lord. This should give us so much hope. They are symbols to us. Ephesians 3.20, Paul wrote, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more, so far beyond, what we ask or even imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. The more we can engage our vital imagination, the more abundantly the power of the Holy Spirit is able to work within us. And you know, if you've ever received a word for, from someone from the Lord, often there'll be a picture in it. Oh, I saw you as a sunflower. And that's what this means. And we can take in that symbol in our heart. So scripture is just full of 
uh, story and metaphor. I love Second um, Kings 6 when Elisha prays, uh, Lord, open the eyes of my servant so he can see what I see. And it says his eyes were open to see the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around. Can you imagine what he felt when, when that happened? You see, when our imagination is engaged with things of the Spirit, it lights up our faith. God created all matter as good. He loves matter. And so he's able to bless it. He's able to make it holy. And when we use matter that he's created for his good purposes, we, we're going to sense his presence. For instance, we take in the bread. We take in the wine in Holy Communion. Um, in touching these things, we're touching the divine. We enter in. When we sing, there's so many symbols in our songs that help us. Here's one, it's an old one from a song. You will build up my desolate places. You will mend all my broken walls. Then a garden of beauty will blossom and I know your glory will fall. Could you just see that? The walls desolate, but then God bringing beauty and glory out of it. Water is, a, is profoundly symbolic. The flood of Noah, the parting of the Red Sea, water gushing from the rock in the wilderness, baptism, the river of life in uh, Revelation, or when Jesus says that within us is a very river of life. God plants these, uh, paints these glorious pictures in scripture for our good. And we're not to just analyze them, we're to enter into them. We can go to the throne and see the living water, right? So stop for a minute and think, what are some of the symbols that speak to you in scripture? One of my favorite is the Isaiah 61, where he talks about us becoming oaks of righteousness. I pray that for my life, that I'll become an oak of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. And in that passage in Isaiah 61, he talks about how he's coming to comfort his people, how he's coming to break their chains and release them from bondage. I mean, these incredible promises to set us free, um, how our ancient ruins will be rebuilt and the devastations will be renewed. Quite a symbol, these magnificent trees. So when I designed the house I'm in now, my office has four windows that look out the front and across the street are wonderful oak trees. And so I can look at those and take them in, not just in the spring and summer when they're leafed out, but also in the fall when the leaves are falling and in the winter when they look desolate. And it reminds me that it takes season after season, circumstance after circumstance, to train my heart and to make me an oak of righteousness. It remi reminds me of who I am and what I'm becoming. Ah, oh, some of these mysteries of God are just so great. We can, we can just, we, we take them in so we can participate in them. Who can read Isaiah 6 and not envision the Lord on his throne? His train is filling the temple. The doorposts are shaking. Smoke is going everywhere and the seraphims are flying around crying, holy, holy, holy. No wonder Isaiah was undone by this. So when we begin to recognize that we're seeing the real, when we start to realize what our imagination is really created for, we begin to see life. And it inspires us with such mystery and such awe. At the highest level, our true imagination is given to us 
so that we can hear and see and take in the things of the Lord. But if we dulled our imagination, we're gonna lose our curiosity and our wonder. So to have imagination doesn't mean we just have these images that course through our mind. It's not just coming up with something. It's the intuition of the real. I mentioned Rome a while ago, and I, I went to St. Peter's Basilica and saw the Pieta, and I was just transfixed. And I, I looked at Mary's face, and, and I saw the true feminine. And then later I looked at uh, the statue of David and saw the true masculine that Michelangelo had brought forth. So we've got to recognize the power of imagination and where we've used it for our own ends, repent. We can and we must train our imagination. I talked before about um, that we can and must train our will. We can also train our imagination. We must engage our will to do this and to picture and take in what's good and true and real and beautiful, what Paul talks about in Philippians, not what is dreadful not what is fearful, not what is tainted. We have control over the pictures, the scenes in our own mind, in our own imagination, and where we set it is so important. And the point is not just to make up our own pictures, you know, but to really see what God's giving. For instance, sometimes I just like to have two chairs where I have my quiet time, and I just like to engage my imagination that my father, God, my father is sitting in that chair next to me. And he really is. And uh, it's beautiful. And sometimes I'll just sit for a few minutes and maybe I don't hear anything or see anything, but I just sit in his presence and take in his peace and his, uh, his love toward me. I use my imagination and enter in. So sin though will taint our imaginative facility. And if we want to have the eyes of our heart fully open, we can't voluntarily be taking in profane symbols and then expect to, the Lord to use our imagination for these beautiful unseen realities. In our culture daily, and you know what I'm talking about, daily, we are assaulted with things we don't wanna take in and shouldn't take in. Uh, of course, it's not just about what we don't feed our imaginations on, it's what we do feed our imagination on. So if we deny our imagination, if we cut it off, we're gonna really deplete our lives. And if we misuse our imagination, we're gonna impoverish our lives and it falls so far beyond what God has created us for. So many of us have filled, have filled our imagination with things that are perverse, with things that are sensual, with things that are dark. And our imagination needs to be cleansed of things that we have heard, touched, seen, taken in, and experienced. Sometimes even as a child, before we had any control over what was happening to us. And I, later, uh, I'm gonna pray a cleansing prayer for what we've taken in. That way we can have our imagination clean and sanctified so now we can take in the good things of the Lord. And it's, it's through the cross this happens. Everything in us, every shameful thing, every dark thing, everything that doesn't belong can be taken up and taken into the cross. For this he died. So our imagination is so wonderful, we just don't want to cloud it, we don't want to compromise it with things that hinder us. And 
The good news is we don't have to stuff these things down. Anything that's vile, anything that's dark, we don't have to stuff it down. We have to be willing for the Holy Spirit to come shine His light on that and to expose it to the cross. And then this, these things can emerge and we can just pull them right up and out of our imagination and send them right into the cross and see what He's doing with all that. It's His desire to uncover these things so that we can be free, we can be healed. And then with this wonderful cleansed imagination, united with our intellect, the intuition and the imagination united with our intellect, we can step into what He's inspiring and calling us to. I'd like to pray now for the cleansing of the imagination and then after I pray for the cleansing of the imagination, I wanna pray for the intuition. And by the way, I haven't mentioned this before, but sometimes in the prayer, I don't give enough time for processing, just for, um, you know, for aiding the video here. But you can always put a pause, if you're watching, you can put a pause on any place where the Lord's working and you need a little time to process with the Lord during the prayer. Just press the pause button and then you can pick it back up, okay? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your wonderful presence. We invite you right into this prayer and into your healing power. We thank you for the blood of the cross that cleanses everything. Nothing is left out, nothing. And I ask you to grant grace right now for everyone to repent of their sin, of any imprint that should not be the images they've taken in, Lord. Thank you. And Lord, uh, we ask for your grace also to forgive others who may have misused us and whose sin in our lives may have caused an imprint in our imagination, even trauma, Lord, that, that we have taken in. Just pause just now and invite the Holy Spirit in that if there's any person you feel like you need to forgive for their participation. Now, Lord, forgive any misuse of the imagination. Any way we fantasize where we shouldn't. Lord, would you bring just now to our thoughts, shine your light, anything that is uh, settled in our imagination, anything that's dangerous, fearful, damaging, profane, dark. Lord, bring that just now. Just bring that to our mind that we can pull it right up and take it to the cross. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are cleansing these images. They don't have to stay within our memory, within our imagination. You cleanse us. Thank you. Thank you for your presence. Lord, with the eyes of our heart now open, we look to see what you're doing with all those old images. Lord, any images that have been implanted by life circumstances, anything frightful or pornographic or even occult or violent, Lord, thank you that you lift these away from us. We name them before you so they will no longer have authority in us and over us, so that we no longer stay in shame. Mm. Lord, take each image into your cross, 
each image and cleanse us with your blood. Free us. For this you died, that we might be free, that we might be whole, that we might be cleansed. And where these things are taken up now and have left a void and an emptiness, fill us now, Holy Spirit. Fill us with your good things. Fill us with your gifts. Fill us with your fruit. Fill us with thoughts of righteousness, Lord. Replace the old images with good things. Stir up any long dormant gifts, any gifts covered over by our sin, our sinful use of the imagination. Bring these gifts to life, Lord. Bring new things to life. And we ask you to anoint our imagination for holy things, for good things, for creative things, for life-giving things. And we thank you that we have new hope and new joy in this. And we ask you to continue to work in this way, Lord, when we are with you, uh, maybe in worship or at other times, you may want to bring up some image, remind us not to push it down in shame, but to bring it right up into the cross. We thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Now I'm going to pray for the intuition, the opening of the receptive heart, intuition and imagination. Uh, perhaps you have closed your receptive heart. Um, maybe you've been afraid of it. Maybe you've been taught some things about it that weren't right. So just bring that to the Lord right now. Lord, stir our heart. Stir and awaken our heart. May we know that we are so beloved, that we are so, so secure with you, that we can be vulnerable, that we can open our heart because of your grace, that we can connect with you and you will not harm us. You will bring us good things, Lord. Forgive us where we've chosen to stay in the safety of our own thoughts, of an overly rational mind, of just analysis without receptivity. Forgive us, Lord. Or forgive us where we have stayed just in the receptive, too, just too full of uh, sensation and unwilling to think, really think through what we're receiving, Lord. We don't want to value one over the other. Lord, we want you to unite these two minds. Thank you. Thank you that you forgive us. You've created us wonderfully with both minds. We receive that forgiveness. We receive your healing now. We ask you to strengthen our intellect and we ask you to strengthen our intuitive heart. Thank you, our receptivity. Strengthen and Lord, unite and combine these. Heal any schism between the head and the heart. Show us any walls, Lord, that have been barriers between us, that have kept us from really knowing you that have kept us from seeing and listening, really receiving. We want to see, we want to hear, we don't want anything between us. So awaken and reorient our receptive heart. Open the eyes of our heart, as Paul prayed. Awaken us within to your wonderful creativity, your Holy Spirit speaking and showing us pictures and bringing images and dreams and revelations. Even now, Lord, create new things within us. And we thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. So thanks for joining me today. 
I'm hoping by 2022 to have a book out of the Voices of the Soul. In the meantime, you can go to my website, read my blogs, uh, get some notes from these videos at www.barbarabyers.com. Thanks.